0: volume two chapter twenty second of the antiquary this librivox recording is in the public domain the antiquary by sir walter scott chapter twenty second fortune you say flies from us she but circles like the fleet sea bird round the fowler's skiff lost in the mist one moment and the next brushing the white sail with her wider wing as if to court the aim experience watches, and has her on the wheel. Old Play The shout of triumph in Hector's warlike tones was not easily distinguished from that of battle, but as he rushed upstairs with a packet in his hand, exclaiming, Long life to an old soldier! Here comes Eddie with a whole budget of good news. It became obvious that his present cause of clamor was of an agreeable nature. He delivered the letter to Old Buck, shook Sir Arthur heartily by the hand, and wished Miss Wardour joy, with all the frankness of Highland congratulation. The messenger, who had a kind of instinctive terror of Captain Mintyre, drew towards his prisoner, keeping an eye of caution on the soldier's motions. "'Don't suppose I shall trouble myself about you, you dirty fellow,' said the soldier. "'There's a guinea for the fright I have given you, and here comes an old forty-two man, who is a fitter match for you than I am.' The messenger, one of those dogs who are not too scornful to eat dirty puddings, caught in his hand the guinea which Hector chucked at his face, and abode warily and carefully the turn which matters were now to take. All voices, meanwhile, were loud in inquiries, which no one was in a hurry to answer. "'What is the matter, Captain M'intyre?' said Sir Arthur. "'Ask old Eddie,' said Hector. "'I only know all's safe and well.' "'What is all this Hetty?" said Miss Wardour to the mendicant. "'Your ladyship will ask Monk Barnes, for he's gotten the yepstolary correspondence.' "'God save the king!' exclaimed the antiquary, at the first glance at the contents of his packet, and, surprised at once out of decorum, philosophy, and phlegm, he skimmed his cocked hat in the air, from which it descended not again, being caught in its fall by a branch of the chandelier.' He next, looking joyously round, laid a grasp on his wig, which he perhaps would have sent after the beaver, had not Eddie stopped his hand, exclaiming, Lord's sake, he's gone gait Mine caxon's no here to repair the damage. Every person now assailed the antiquary, clamouring to know the cause of so sudden a transport, when, somewhat ashamed of his rapture, he fairly turned tail, like a fox, at the cry of a pack of hounds and ascending the stair by two steps at a time, gained the upper landing-place, where, turning round, he addressed the astonished audience as follows. My good friends, fall te linguis. To give you information, I must first, according to logicians, be possessed of it myself, and therefore, with your leaves, I will retire into the library to examine these papers. Sir Arthur and Miss Wardour will have the goodness to step into the parlour. Mr. Sweepclean de paluspir, or, in your own language, grant us a supersedera of diligence for five minutes. Hector, draw of your forces, and make your bear garden flourish elsewhere. And finally, be all of good cheer till my return, which will be in instanter. The contents of the packet were indeed so little expected, that the antiquary might be pardoned, first his ecstasy, and next his desire of delaying to communicate the intelligence they conveyed, until it was arranged and digested in his own mind. Within the envelope was a letter addressed to Jonathan Oldbuck, Esquire, of Monk-Barnes, of the following purport. Dear Sir, to you, as my father's proved and valued friend, I ventured to address myself, being detained here by military duty of a very pressing nature, You must by this time be acquainted with the entangled state of our affairs, and I know it will give you great pleasure to learn that I am as fortunately as unexpectedly placed in a situation to give effectual assistance for extricating them. I understand Sir Arthur is threatened with severe measures by persons who acted formerly as his agents, and by advice of a credible man of business here, I have procured the enclosed writing which I understand will stop their proceedings until their claim shall be legally discussed, and brought down to its proper amount. I also enclose bills to the amount of one thousand pounds, to pay any other pressing demands, and request of your friendship to apply them according to your discretion. You will be surprised I give you this trouble, when it would seem more natural to address my father directly in his own affairs." but I have yet had no assurance that his eyes are open to the character of a person against whom you have often, I know, warned him, and whose baneful influence has been the occasion of these distresses. And as I owe the means of relieving Sir Arthur to the generosity of a matchless friend, it is my duty to take the most certain measures for the supplies being devoted to the purpose for which they were destined, and I know your wisdom and kindness will see that it is done my friend, as he claims an interest in your regard, will explain some views of his own in the enclosed letter. The state of the post office at Fairport being rather notorious, I must send this letter to Tannenberg, but the old man Ogletree, whom particular circumstances have recommended as trustworthy, has information when the packet is likely to reach that place, and will take care to forward it. I expect to have soon an opportunity to apologize in person for the trouble I now give, and have the honor to be your very faithful friend. Reginald Gamelin Wardour, Edinburgh, 6th August, 179. The antiquary hastily broke the seal of the enclosure, the contents of which gave him equal surprise and pleasure. When he had had in some measure composed himself after such unexpected tidings, he inspected the other papers carefully which all related to business put the bills into his pocket-book and wrote a short acknowledgment to be dispatched by that day's post for he was extremely methodical in money matters and lastly fraught with all the importance of disclosure he descended to the parlour sweep clean said he as he entered to the officer who stood respectfully at the door you must sweep yourself clean out of knockwinnock castle with all your followers, tag-rag and bob-tail. Seest thou this paper-man? Assist on a bill of suspension, said the messenger, with a disappointed look. I thought it would be a queer thing if ultimate diligence was to be done against such a gentleman, as Sir Arthur. Well, sir, I use go my ways with my party, and who's to pay my charges? They who employ thee, replied Old Buck, as thou full well dost know but here comes another express. This is a day of news, I think. This was Mr. Mailsetter, on his mare from Fairport, with a letter for Sir Arthur, another to the messenger, both of which he said he was directed to forward instantly. The messenger opened his, observing that Greenhorn and Grinderson were good enough men for his expenses, and here was a letter from them desiring him to stop the diligence. Accordingly, he immediately left the apartment, and staying no longer than to gather his posse together, he did then, in the phrase of Hector, who watched his departure as a jealous mastiff eyes the retreat of a repulsed beggar, evacuate Flanders. Sir Arthur's letter was from Mister Greenhorn, and a curiosity in its way. We give it with the worthy baronet's comments. Sir, oh, I am dear sir no longer. Folks are only dearer to Messrs. Greenhorn and Grinderson when they are in adversity. Sir, I am much concerned to learn, on my return from the country, where I was called on particular business, a bet on the sweepstakes, I suppose, that my partner had the impropriety in my absence to undertake the concerns of Messrs. Goldiebirds, in preference to yours, and had written to you in an unbecoming manner. I beg to make my most humble apology, as well as Mr. Grinderson's. Come, I see he can write for himself and partner too, and trust it is impossible you can think me forgetful of or ungrateful for the constant patronage with my family, his family curse him for a puppy. have uniformly experienced from that of Knockwinnock. I am sorry to find from my interview I had this day with Mr. Wardour that he is much irritated and I must own, with apparent reason, but in order to remedy, as much as in me lies, the mistake of which he complains, pretty mistake indeed to clap his patron into jail. I have sent this express to discharge all proceedings against your person or property, and at the same time to transmit my respectful apology. I am only to add that Mr. Grinderson is of opinion that, if restored to your confidence, He could point out circumstances connected with Messrs. Goldiebird's present claim, which would greatly reduce its amount. So, so, willing to play the rogue on either side. And that there is not the slightest hurry in settling the balance of your account with us, and that I am, for Mr. G., as well as myself, dear sir. Oh, aye, he has written himself into an approach to familiarity. Your much obliged and most humble servant, Gilbert Greenhorn." Well said, Mr. Gilbert Greenhorn, said Monkwarns. I see now there is some use in having two attorneys in one firm. Their movements resemble those of the man and woman in a Dutch baby-house. When it is fair weather with a client, out comes a gentleman partner to fawn like a spaniel. When it is foul, forth bolts the operative brother to pin like a bulldog. Well, I thank God that my man of business still wears an equilateral cocked hat, has a house in the old town, is as much afraid of a horse as I am myself, plays at golf of a Saturday, goes to the kirk of a Sunday, and, in respect he has no partner, hath only his own folly to apologize for. "'There are some riders very honest fellows,' said Hector. "'I should like to hear any one say that my cousin, Donald M'intyre, Strathholden's seventh son, the other six are in the army, is not as honest a fellow.' no doubt no doubt hector all the m'intyres are so they have it by patent man but i was going to say that in a profession where unbounded trust is necessarily reposed there is nothing surprising that fools should neglect it in their idleness and tricksters abuse it in their knavery but it is the more to the honour of those and i will vouch for many who unite integrity with skill and attention and walk honourably upright where there are so many pitfalls and stumbling-blocks for those of a different character. To such men their fellow-citizens may safely entrust the care of protecting their patrimonial rights, and their country the more sacred charge of her laws and privileges. "'They are however, that I least to do with them,' said Ochiltree, who had stretched his neck into the parlour-door, for the general confusion of the family not having yet subsided, the domestics— like waves after the fall of a hurricane, had not yet exactly regained their due limits, but were roaming wildly through the house. Ah, old true penny, art thou there? said the antiquary. Sir Arthur, let me bring in the messenger of good luck, though he is but a lame one. You talked of the raven that scented out the slaughter from afar, but here is a blue pigeon, somewhat of the oldest and toughest, I grant, who smelled the good news six or seven miles off, "'flew thither, in the tax-cart, and returned with the olive-branch. Yo tie to poor Robbie that dried me, poor fellow,' said the beggar. "'He doubts he's in disgrace with my lady and Sir Arthur.' "'Robert's repentant and bashful face was seen over the mendicant's shoulder. "'In disgrace with me,' said Sir Arthur, "'how so?' "'For the irritation into which he had worked himself, on occasion of the toast, "'had been long forgotten.' "'Oh, I recollect, Robert, I was angry, and you were wrong. "'Go about your work, and never answer a master that speaks to you in a passion.' "'Nor any one else,' said the antiquary, "'for a soft answer turneth away wrath. "'And tell your mother, who is so ill with the rheumatism, "'to come down to the housekeeper to-morrow,' said Miss Wardour, "'and we will see what can be of service to her.' "'God bless your ladyship,' said poor Robert.' and his honour, Sir Arthur, and the young laird, and the house of Knockwinnock, and all its branches, far and near. It's been a kind and good house to the poor this many hundred years. There, said the antiquary to Sir Arthur, we won't dispute, but there you see the gratitude of the poor people naturally turns to the civil virtues of your family. You don't hear them talk of Red Hand or Helen Harness. For me, I must say, Odi acepturim, qui semper we wit in armis so let us eat and drink in peace and be joyful sir knight a table was quickly covered in the parlour where the party sat joyously down to some refreshment at the request of oldbuck Eddie ochiltree was permitted to sit by the sideboard in a great leathern chair which was placed in some measure behind a screen i accede to this the more readily said sir arthur because I remember in my father's days that chair was occupied by El Gourlay, who, for aught I know, was the last privileged fool or jester maintained by any family distinction in Scotland. Oh yes, sir Arthur replied the beggar, who never hesitated an instant between his friend and his jest. money a wise man sits in a fool seat and money a fool in a wise man's, especially in families I distinction Miss Wardour fearing the effect of this speech however worthy of aylesby gourlay or any other privileged jester, upon the nerves of her father hastened to inquire whether ale and beef should not be distributed to the servants and people whom the news had assembled round the castle surely my love said her father when was it ever otherwise in our families when a siege had been raised ay a siege laid by Saunders Sweetpleen, the bailiff, and raised by the ochiltree, the Gabberlumsey, par nobile fratrum, said Old Buck, and well pitted against each other in respectability. But never mind, Sir Arthur, these are such sieges and such reliefs as our time of day admits of, and our escape is not less worth commemorating in a glass of this excellent wine. Upon my credit, it is burgundy, I think. Were there anything better in the cellar? said miss wardour it would be all too little to regale you after your friendly exertions say you so said the antiquary why then a cup of thanks to you my fair enemy and soon may you be besieged as ladies love best to be and sign terms of capitulation in the chapel of st winnox miss wardour blushed hector coloured and then grew pale sir arthur answered my daughter is much obliged to you, Monk Barnes. But unless you'll accept of her yourself, I really do not know where a poor knight's daughter is to seek for an alliance in these mercenary times. Me, me, niece, Sir Arthur, no, not I. I will claim privilege of the duello, and as being unable to encounter my fair enemy myself, I will appear by my champion. But this matter hereafter. What do you find in the papers there, Hector? that you hold your head down over them as if your nose were bleeding. Nothing particular, sir, but only that, as my arm is now almost quite well, I think I shall relieve you of my company in a day or two, and go to Edinburgh. I see Major Neville is arrived there. I should like to see him. Major whom? said his uncle. Major Neville, sir, answered the young soldier. And who the devil is Major Neville? demanded the antiquary. Oh, Mr. Oldbuck said sir arthur you must remember his name frequently in the newspapers a very distinguished young officer indeed but i am happy to say that mr mintyre need not leave monkbarns to see him for my son writes that the major is to come with him to Knockwinnock, and i need not say how happy i shall be to make the young gentleman acquainted unless indeed they are known to each other already no not personally answered hector but i have had occasion to hear a good deal of him "'and we have several mutual friends, your son being one of them. "'But I must go to Edinburgh, for I see my uncle is beginning to grow tired of me, "'and I am afraid that you will grow tired of him,' interrupted Old Buck. "'I fear that's past praying for, but you have forgotten that the ecstatic 12th of August approaches, "'and that you are engaged to meet one of Lord Glenallan's gamekeepers, "'God knows where, to persecute the peaceful feathered creation.' True, true, uncle, I had forgot that, exclaimed the volatile Hector. But you said something just now that put everything out of my head. And it like your honours, said old Eddie, thrusting his white head from behind the screen, where he had been plentifully regaling himself with ale and cold meat. did like your honours, I can tell ye something that will keep the captain with the eye most as will as the poutin. Hear ye neither French or comin' the french you blockhead answered oldbuck bah i have not had time said sir arthur wardour to look over my lieutenancy correspondence for the week indeed i generally make a rule to read it only on wednesdays except in pressing cases for i do everything by method but from the glance i took of my letters i observed some alarm was entertained alarm said eddie troth there's alarm for the provost guard the beacon light on the Halkalhet be sorted up. that sort would been sorted half a year sign, in an uncoo hurry, and the council hae named nae less a man than old Caxon himself to watch the light. Some say it was at all compliment to Lieutenant Taffril, for it's nice to certain that he'll marry Jenny Caxon. Some say it's to please your honour Monk Barnes that wear wigs, and some say there's some odd story about a periwig that Ina the bailies got in near paid for. Anyway, there he is, sittin' cocked up like a scart upon the top o' the crag, to scrawl when foul weather comes. On mine honour, a pretty warder," said Monk Barnes. "And what's my wig to do all the while?" I asked Caxon that very question," answered Ochiltree, "and he said he could look in ilka morning and gie a touch afore he gie to his bed." "'for there's another man to watch in the daytime, "'and Caxon says, "'Who fears you on as big as we're sleeping as walkin. "'This news gave a different turn to the conversation "'which ran upon national defence "'and the duty of fighting for the land we live in, "'until it was time to part. "'The antiquary and his nephew resumed their walk homeward "'after parting from Knockwinnock "'with the warmest expressions of mutual regard "'and an agreement to meet again as soon as possible.' End Chapter Twenty Second.